All right, open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And as, as you find those verses, I just have a, just one thing I want to share with you. And, of course, we're in a building program. Everybody say hallelujah. <laughs> and so we're all waiting to get these numbers and to vote and so we can get that ground broke. And so everyone's wondering, it's, you know, it's goes, it gets extended from one week to the next on our business meeting. Well, it's, we finally got numbers in. But um, commonly, you know, the numbers aren't where they need to be. And so, so now me and, of course, the, the building team, we're working with contractors, we're working with architects to get the number where it is and to get it down to where we can afford it and go. Again, that's very common. This is my fourth build, and every time you have to, you, the numbers come in, and this is your budget, and you got to get those things down to it, and so that's what we're working on. And But we know God is in control, so just as soon as we have something to present to you, we're going to do that. And so I doubt if it's going to be within the next two weeks. All right, everybody? I know the clock is ticking on us, but hey, our God is sovereign, and our God is in control. So you be in prayer concerning the building, the program, and all that's going on. Please, please do your diligent part of being in great prayer, okay? All right? Your Bibles are open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I don't have this on the screen, but um, I want to start in verse 12. And this talks about Christian conduct. Christian conduct. It's all right. We're, we we we're gonna be good. You know, I heard about a preacher one time, and uh, he was got up before his congregation, and he said uh, he said uh, he had a big bandaid on his chin, and he said the congregation. He said I, he said this morning I was thinking about my sermon, and I cut my chin, and so one person yelled out from the crowd, and he said, Hey, next time think about your can't your your chin and cut your sermon. Ha ha ha. This is going to be a long one this morning, okay? <laughs> All right. All right. It's good to laugh, isn't it? God, God, God likes, likes it too, and I'm sure he laughs at me a whole lot. Um, look at verse 12. Our Christian conduct, okay? Our Christian conduct. I want to read something else to you before I read that, okay? If... If you can be cheerful, ignoring aches and pains, if you can resist complaining, if you can eat the same food every day and be grateful for it, if you can understand when your loved ones are too busy to give you any time, if you can take criticism and blame without resentment, can I have an amen? If you can face the world without lies and deceit, if you can conquer tension without medical help, if you can relax without liquor, if you can sleep without the aid of drugs, if you can honestly say that deep in your heart you have no prejudice against creed, color, gender, or politics, then you have almost reached the same level of development as your dog. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter 5. What would you think about that one, Tommy? 
Not that you're a dog or anything. <laughs> First Thessalonians, because you're far from that. You're 10. First Thessalonians, I'll just be quiet. Chapter 5, <laughs> verse 12. I'll get myself in so much trouble. <laughs> you know, guys, I just want you to know something real quick. It's important for you men and for you ladies to regularly make love deposits. You know what love deposits are? Love deposits are when you do something nice and extraordinary for your spouse because sometime you're going to have to make some withdrawals and you need to have some deposits made, all right? So, so, huh? You remember that? Hey, you know, I was a very, very nice guy. Listen to this, everybody. On our Tuesday night, on our Tuesday night, thank you, Sean, on our Tuesday night prayer, uh, men's prayer study, which, guys, we're starting a new book this Tuesday at 7 o'clock. You've got to come. You've got to come. I know we've got a million things to do. I've got a million things to do. You know, I've got, I got 10,000 things happening. And, you know, and it's getting up at 8 o'clock in the morning. No, I'm kidding. I'm not a morning purpose. But it's, I don't get to bed till 11 o'clock at night. But listen, it's so valuable. Amen, James? And, and we're starting a new book. But um, so we, we, we finished our, the first book. And so Glenn Ryan comes walking in with this huge peach cobbler. Now, if you don't know anything about me, you know this. I don't just love everybody's peach cobbler, but that man can make a peach cobbler. So, so, and you can do some pork tenderloin, brother. See what you're missing out on if you come on Tuesday night? Pork tenderloin, um, beans, and peach cobbler. We just do it simple. <laughs> so, anyways, so, um, so th- I, I get some peach cobbler to take home. And so when I walk into the door... My wife saying, oh, she gets, she starts, she starts smiling and, and excited. And she says, I was just telling Matthew that I wanted something sweet. Now, I brought the peach cobbler home for myself, but do you know what I did? I said, here you go, honey. I brought it just for you. <laughs> That's making love deposits, right? That's good Christian character, isn't it? All right. We'll tie, we'll tie the verses in there somewhere. First Thessalonians chapter 5, please. All right. I didn't hear it back there, and I'm going to not going to. I'm going. I'm going forward, because someone say, "Pay attention to your chin and cut your sermon." Is that what they said? All right. But we request of you. Here it is. Listen to it. God's word is infallible. It's inerrant. There's no mistakes in it. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, and the word of God can save your life. Listen to it. It's not an optional. This is not optional. This is what every true born-again believer should strive for and commit to every day and every second of their life. But we request of you, brothers and sisters, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. And that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. This is this Christian conduct. It's the church. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. You see it? See that no one repays another with evil for evil but always seek after that which is good for one another 
and for all people. Look at verse 16. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for the word of God that we have and thanking you that we can all just are able to come here and, and, and enjoy the freedom of our country, and, and, and but most of all, enjoy the freedom from the bondage of sin. And Lord, um, we understand this morning that so much time that we're, we're, we're not content, um, we, we don't have that, that joy that, is, that, is, that, that carries someone through times of trials and times of temptations and, and this times where, where times are hard. But Lord, this morning we can see here in your word that we have um, a Christian conduct to uphold. We have, all these, we have all these responsibilities that we can't do on our own, but that we must commit to in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, one of those is to rejoice always. And that that's, people know us by our love to one another, but they should also know it by our joy, our joy that is unspeakable. A hidden joy that comes from the Holy Spirit and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, help us and convince us and lead us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a third century writer, and this has been preserved all these thousands of years. And this is what he penned. This, these were his last words. I don't have his name, but we have what he left. And this is what he says It's a bad world. An incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians. And he says, I am one of them. Wouldn't that just be fantastic to sign your name to? I wonder, um, could, could all of us here this morning sign our name to that short little paragraph? I hope that we can. I hope, I, hope, I hope that we could. But joy is so important. Joy has always been an attribute of the people of God. Listen to me. And it's not seems to be so today as much. Do, do, do you all agree with me? I mean, I see, I see Christians who are happy when all the circumstances are great, when they get everything that they want and everything's going just fine. I see, some, I see, I see Christians happy, but what about... This joy, this, this gift, this fruit that God gives us, this joy. I have in the past, as well as others, I'm, I'm sure, become melancholy. And we walk around and we go to work and we come to church with really no inner cheer and beatitude, meaning that supreme blessedness. But friends, the truth is, Scripture knows nothing of a melancholy Christian. Do you get that? Scripture knows nothing of a melancholy Christian. But we're to have this joy that is unspeakable, this, this burst of energy, this, this way of looking at life that only we can have in, in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Holy Scripture and by a perfect God. This joy. And, and so I wanted to spend a few minutes. And I know, we, I know you know, maybe about four months ago we talked and we was going through the fruit of the spirits 
the fruit of the Spirit, we talked about joy. But I want to revisit some other things about this joy because, listen, um, I'm convinced as your pastor, and I, and I, and I love you, and, and, and through prayer, that we, we need to get a handle on this joy thing. We need, we need to be able to, 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 to get up in the mornings and go to work and lead our families and come to church and have this, 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 this beatitude, this, this blessedness, this joy that is unspeakable. Can I have an amen out there? And don't, don't everybody want that? You know, because again, I, I think we walk through life and we walk through it kind of melancholy and, you know, we're up and we're down. If this thing goes good, then we're doing good. Then we get over here and that's not so good. But, but as we said, it, there's, scripture speaks nothing of that, church. Scripture speaks of nothing that instead that we're to rejoice always. We're having a joy that is unspeakable. Does that seem impossible for you to obtain? Well, I want us all to attain it. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself. I need it. You know, these last few weeks with dealing with architects and stuff, <laughs> them guys will, I'm, I need some, but God gives joy to that relationship in Jesus Christ. So let's talk about that just for a minute. And let's, let's kind of define joy uh, first, okay? What, is it, what, it, what does it mean by rejoice always? Do you see the commandment were to rejoice always? If you are born again, if you are a Christian, you have this commandment. And if God gives a commandment, then he's going to give the ability to rejoice always. He's not going to tell you to do something and not give you the, the way of doing it. Our God is perfect. And if he says for us to rejoice always, then that's exactly what we're supposed to do. Well, what does that mean? Is that really possible? As believers in Jesus, can we, are we always, all the time, in all circumstances to rejoice? Yes. 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 You know, I go through your times, and, and I'm just kind of looking out and, and just thinking just in the last month, you know, I, I can just real quickly name off three families that went through a very difficult situation in time. And those situations doesn't call for them to be happy people, but because they're believers in Jesus Christ, they do have to rejoice because Jesus said, always rejoice. And again, I say rejoice, he tells us. So joy or rejoice, here's what it means. It means a feeling of great pleasure. I'm not sure if I have this on the screen or not for you, but here it is. And this is on the screen. Joy or rejoice, write this in your margin. You need to know this. It's the supreme feeling of blessedness. Do you get it? It's the supreme feeling of blessedness. Are you blessed? Are you blessed to know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Then act like it. Do something about it. Don't mope around and feel sorry for yourself. Know that there is a supreme, this feeling should be because of a supreme relationship with the King of Kings, with the Lord Jesus Christ, with the creator of this universe. You can have joy despite of circumstance. Because it's not about how you feel, and it's not about what's happening. It's about who you know. We've got to remind ourselves of it. Amen? Yes. It's hard to train our minds like this because, honestly, we, 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 we watch television shows, and we read books, and we do this and do that, and that's all the opposite of what God tells us and how to do. We, we, we're kind of brainwashed, guys. 
But let's be brainwashed with the Word of God and the, and the, and the, and the, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Joy and rejoice are used repeatedly in Scripture to describe the lives of all believers. I'm telling you, just like we read this quote from this guy, and I'm telling you, it's going to be a long sermon, so, so buckle down, here we go. <laughs> Guys, all throughout Scripture... All throughout Scripture, it talks about the days of the early church, and Christians often use this as a common greeting, this word rejoice. Now, I want you to see how important this is. All throughout the history of the church, the people of God had joy. You know as well as I know, you know you had Paul and Silas that were beaten and, and they had joy. And, and you know, Peter and the guys were in the jail, and, 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 and somehow they had joy. But, but do you know the early Christians, and this is, this is, a, this is a matter of fact of, of recorded history. Did you know that, that in, the, in the early church, the church that actually reached the whole world and had God's great favor, David Wright? Right, brother? Do you know that, that when they would greet each other, they didn't come up and say hello, shalom. When they greeted each other, they said, rejoice, brother, rejoice. Wouldn't that be kind of awesome, I mean, to bring that back? Re- rejoice, rejoice. I mean, I'm not trying to be a weirdo here, but I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just trying to tell you how important this rejoice thing is. And, and it needs to be a mindset in all of our hearts. Right, everybody? You know, rejoice. It sounds kind of weird, right? It's kind of like, call, you know, never mind. But, um, but I'm just trying to make a point here. It, that's, that's how much rejoice means for the church and for us as believers. And you say rejoice. Now, look at the screen. And we've said this before, but I want to remind you, maybe you're new to our congregation here. But happiness and joy are not the same. Happiness is an emotion based upon circumstance. Look, when a new baby is born into your family, you're happy for a while. (laughs) Until until they turn 13 years old, except for Kimber. She's going to be perfect. But, you know, happiness is determined upon the circumstance, but not so with joy. But we understand that sometimes our circumstances may be exceedingly unhappy, Yet in either case, happy or not, the growing Christian, underline that, understand that the growing Christian, the growing Christian will still experience joy. No matter if it's a baby being born or their mother dying. You're not happy that your mom dies, but there's joy because Jesus Christ is supreme. You see it? Friends, our joy needs to be separated. It needs to be divorced from all circumstances of life. Why? Because true joy is rooted in our eternal relationship with Almighty God. Let's play what if. What if tomorrow everything you have is taken away? What if you and your family were in prison confiscated of all your possessions, tortured to the point of death, would you be happy? Would you be happy? No. 
Could you have joy? Yes. God says rejoice always. Philippians 4.4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Note again the word always, whether circumstances are favorable or unfavorable, whether we are abounding or suffering, need or not need, whether we are outwardly happy or sad, the growing Christian, here it is, the growing Christian can still rejoice in the Lord. You all know that. We got to put it to practice. I don't see Sam and Garrett here this morning. Um, They're probably on their honeymoon, huh? They got married Friday night. Can you give the Lord a hand for them? Um, You know, they might not have started things off right in the right order, but by the grace of God, they were obedient, and and I'm so proud of them. And and so next time you see them, tell them you're proud of them, okay? And we're we're excited for them. But when we have our ceremony, and that's a great testimony to the Lord and to them, by the way. But as we was having our ceremony, I told them, I explained to them an extraordinary truth that took me 20 years to figure out, and that's what true love was. Ching. (laughs) True love. A love that will not fail your spouse or child or even God, listen, is always premeditated. Follow me here. It's all about the actions we take. For our love to be successful, it's about the actions that we take. The feeling of love, here it is, the feeling of love is a byproduct or result of truly loving. You get it? You get, you get that? I'm making sense to you. In other words, you got this thing called love. You got this thing called love. And, 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 but love isn't just some kind of a feeling that can come to us by any whim. It, it, it comes from, from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's from being action. When I do the action of love, then those feelings will come. You know, a true love is, is, is when you're feeling happy. It, it, it's when you're feeling security, when it's feeling a peace, when you, but it's, it's, and that's reciprocated. You see what I'm saying? But, but true love in that love is really going to only be successful and you're going to have that feeling of love only when only when you're acting love you see love love is a verb before it's a noun my kids when they were first born i loved them they they didn't have to do too much but they did something they were born right as those kids get older um, you know, you know, I, I, there, there's that love for them, right? But there's sometimes that, you know, it's a little bit different. Right? But, but then the action takes place, and there's love. Me and my wife, I, I, I didn't know what love was when I first got married 28 years. But now I do because there's been action. And you see, see what I'm saying? But here's the whole point. Joy is the same thing. J-O-Y is the same thing. We've got to do joy to have the feeling of joy. We've got to know that our joy comes from Jesus Christ and nothing else. Right? All right. Let's look at a couple of things first. um, Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, we need to understand that. Let's talk about joy. And then we're going to look at two more things and we're going to be done. 
But joy is something that God gives us. Cornerstone. Joy, not happiness. Joy is something that God gives us. He gifts us joy. And you got to understand that before you can really truly have it and experience it for more than just five minutes at a time. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So joy is a fruit. It's part of that fruit. Remember, it doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. All six characteristics of that fruit has six different things, six different characteristics, but it's all one big juicy fruit, okay? But part of that is this one of joy. It says, but for the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So joy is the fruit born by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's within us. It's the result of God's work in our lives. Romans 14, 17 says this. It says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You see it? Let me read that again. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy given by the Holy Ghost. It's a gift. That's why unsaved people do not have joy. Do they have happiness? Yes, but they don't have joy. And I wonder about Christians sometimes. Next, joy is a choice. Everybody look. Write this down. I see some of your faces all frowned out, and you'd rather be somewhere else than here. That's not, you need to have joy. It's a joy to be under the teaching of God's Word. It's a joy to spend time with Him. It's a joy to have this communion that we're having this morning with each other. Amen, everybody? It's a, it's, that's joy. But, but listen, joy is a choice. Joy is not just a gift, but it also involves my will. It involves my choice. That's why God gives us a command. (laughs) He says, rejoice forevermore. Is there a question mark there? It's a command. To have joy, we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit like anything else. We have a free will, everybody, and God gives us a free will, and I'm glad I got a free will because, because I don't want to be some kind of robot. I, I, God, God wanted us to make that choice of accepting him as Lord and Savior, and, and, and God wants us to, to make that choice to die daily to ourselves. He wants us to have that choice to pick up our crosses and follow him daily, and one of the crosses we pick up is this, is this joy. It, it's a choice. You know, we can make a choice and say, today I'm just going to just, just be in a bad mood and, and I'm not going to think anything of the Lord. And, and it's a choice. Or we can say, despite the circumstances, we can say, blessed am I because I'm a child of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's a choice. You've got to make the choice I can't make it for you. God's not going to make it for you truly. The Holy Spirit's not going to make it for you. We have to make that choice. We can always look at the negative. We can major on our dissatisfactions. But we have the choice to fight against the devil when that happens. Amen, everybody? Friends, if you truly belong to God, you have been given a gift. The Bible says the gift of joy. It's inside of you, inside of you if you know Jesus Christ. It's inside of you. You've got to make the choice. 
Understand the battles of life are spiritual, not fleshly. The battles of life is the Lord's. We just simply put our, all of our trust and our faith in his ability and rejoice evermore. <laughs> that sounds pretty simple. We put our faith and our trust in him and we can have joy forevermore. Listen, if we choose to live out this life melancholy, with no zeal, with no inner supreme blessedness. Listen close. Everybody got their ears on? If we choose to live out this life, melancholy, with no zeal, with no inner supreme blessedness, be sure God will weed everything out until you find joy in him alone. It's a big statement to make, but it's true. See, God doesn't want to be second. And if we can't have joy in him because of our relationship with him, he's not satisfied. Why should we rejoice? Why should we rejoice always? I'm going to go through these pretty fast, but I want you to take notes, please. First, we, re- we rejoice because of the sovereignty of God. Hey, Cornerstone, our God is sovereign. He's sovereign. He's real, but he's sovereign. Do you know what the word sovereign means? It means he doesn't need your help. He's got it. Isn't that awesome? Does that mean that every bad thing that happens to us, he's responsible for it? No, we live in a fallen world. We live in a sin-depraved world. And a lot of times we do things to make bad things happen to us. But here is the, here is the truth of the matter. God is sovereign. He knows everything that's going on and why things are happening. And things are always going to end up, if we put our trust and faith in him, it's, it's going it's to it's end up what's best for this whole world. Can I have an amen? God is sovereign. So so we can rejoice always because God is sovereign. Even if we do mess up, we can still have joy in him because God is gone. Is God is sovereign. He's in control and he doesn't need your help. He knows what's going on. He sees what's going on. And he's going to take care of it, but you've got to have faith and trust in him and have joy in the everlasting sovereign God. So number one, we're to rejoice always. I'm giving you the list of why. Number one is because God is sovereign. Psalms chapter 28 verse 7 says this, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. Hallelujah. God's good. He's my shield. He's my strength. And then secondly, we can rejoice because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Grace upon grace. John, you've been, we've sang that several times. It's a great song. Listen to what Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10 says. It says this. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed, clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Hey, you can have joy because of the grace of Jesus Christ. He died for your sins, and he has clothed you in righteousness. 
He is sovereign, but he given us grace forever will be with him. Oh, I can have joy. No, things are always going to work out right for Ron Fox. Yes, me and my wife are going to have arguments, but I can still have joy. My, my, even my kids sometimes will disappoint me. But it doesn't mean my God failed. This means life happens sometimes. But I can have joy in God. Amen? Sorry, Allison, you're the only kid in here. So you're getting it. And you don't, you do perfect, by the way. Now that thing next to you, we've got to talk to him in a little bit. But <laughs> the son-in-law, kidding around, I couldn't ask for a better one. Um, third, re- rejoice because, because of the present of the Spirit. Oh, write that down, would you? You're never alone. Ricky, you're never alone, brother. The Spirit of God is with you. Psalms chapter 16, verse, verse 11, it says this, you will, show me my, you, you will show me the path of life. Listen, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Isn't that beautiful? It's true. Hey, the presence of the Spirit is always with us. And then the next one is we can rejoice because of the assurance of heaven. The assurance of heaven. Hey, you know, the world doesn't get it. The unsaved don't understand it. But what a testimony it is. Rejoice forevermore. I'm going to heaven one day. I'm in no hurry to get there, Tommy. I'm in no hurry to get there. But I, I tell you, it's a lot to look forward to. I mean, it's going to be beautiful up there. And again, this is Ron, Ron Fox theology, you know, 105 here. But, you know, I think when we get to heaven, God's going to give us the desires of our heart. I, I, I mean, it's, it's going to be praise and worship him. But I think we're just going to, I think God has given us our, our, our places up there. And, and God's going to give us the desires of our heart. We're going to rule with him. It's going to be amazing. We, we, men were born to live forever, but it's because of sin has that changed. But God rectified that by his grace. Why? Because he's sovereign. We can rejoice forevermore. Next, we can also rejoice and always rejoice because of the comfort of scriptures. That the scripture is true, it's inerrant, it's infallible. It, it, you know, I don't know about you guys, but, but when, I, when I do start to get down and that melancholy, the first thing I need to do, two things, is pray, but I need to get into God's word and be encouraged because God's word is alive. Yeah. It's alive. And there's truth in it. So we rejoice because the comfort of Scripture, God wrote this book because he knows what each one of you would be going through at each times of your life, and there's something in there for you to help you. Six, we rejoice because the certainty of answered prayers, of answered prayers. Jesus said in Matthew 21, 22, he says, In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Period. Period. I think that's pretty awesome. Seventh, we rejoice because of the fellowship of the saints. 
because of deep communion, because of fellowship with one another. We can rejoice because I don't go through this life alone. I go through it with you. You go through it with me. And remember that deep communion. If you got a need, man, I'm going to help you out. And, 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 that, and, and when I help you, it makes me rejoice. When you help me, it makes us both rejoice. And we all help each other, it makes us all rejoice. Listen, God is supreme. He is sovereign. He is full of grace. I mean, we rejoice also because of the deep communion that we have with each other. Amen? We can all have joy all the time. In eighth, we rejoice because of the proclamation of the gospel. Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. It says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. When you proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, you can't help but have joy. See, some of you don't have joy because you don't proclaim the name of Jesus Christ sometimes. These are all different ways that we can have joy. You proclaim Jesus' name, and you proclaim his name over something that's going, and I guarantee you, joy is going to be in your heart. Amen? All right, lastly, this is it. Why don't we rejoice always? Write it down. Why don't we rejoice always? Okay, so maybe you haven't felt so joyful lately. Maybe you've been downright negative. Why is that, and how do you get over it? Let's consider, let's consider five joy killers. Number one, first, we may not rejoice because we lack confidence in our salvation. Write it down. Because you lack confidence in your salvation sometimes. Maybe, maybe you went through the motions. Maybe you did it up here, but you didn't do it right here. Maybe that's the reason. And you need to get that right with God. You need to get it right with yourself. But, but you know, there's also people that's always, always Doubting their salvation. And it's because they're walking by sight and not by faith. Sometimes you just got to rededicate that and accept that free gift. And, and because, because once we get saved, do we stop sinning? Unfortunately not. But you ought to get progressively better as you grow in Christ. But here's the thing. When we sin, sometimes we'll say, well, I guess I'm not really saved. Not going to have joy. No, that's the devil doing that. Because, because, because our scripture is very plain and clear. How many times did Jesus have to die? How many times? One time. How many times you got to get saved? One time. Even God says in Romans chapter 3, when that subject come up of, of got to get saved again, and, 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 and Paul, he, 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 I mean the language in the Greek, he said, God forbid you've got to get saved again. Because we're saved by faith through grace, not of ourselves or our works, whether they're good works or bad works. But sometimes we doubt and we don't have joy because we can't forgive ourselves and move on. Forgive your, ask God to forgive you. Reconcile with whatever what's going on and forgive yourself and go on with Jesus Christ. Amen? Another joy killer is this. Is this. I'm going to go fast to the rest of them here. Um, we may not rejoice because of an attack from the enemy. You know, we don't call Satan the enemy for nothing. He's real. And he's our enemy. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He, so the scripture says, be sober. That doesn't mean the drinking thing. That's talking about having a sound mind. 
Get your, word, get, your, get your mind on God's word. Get it out of the clouds. And he's saying, be sober, be vigilant, be, be, be vigilant. In other words, don't take it half-heartedly. Do it with all your might. Why? Because, because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, he's seeking to devour you. He wants to eat you up. He wants to rob you of joy and devour your spiritual effectiveness. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to steal your children. He wants to wreck your whole life. He's got a picture of you in his war room and of your children and your grandchildren and generations from now until the Lord tarries. That's a joy killer. But rejoice... Because if you have victory in Jesus Christ, you have victory over Satan, your enemy. Can I have an amen? Another one? Amen? The only thing that Satan can take from you is what you give him. Remember, your battle is always spiritual, not fleshly. Third, we may not rejoice because of our ignorance of truth. Some Christians are not joyful because they don't understand the biblical truths. They don't know what all God has done for them and what he has promised to them. They're too lazy to get in God's word. Folks, doctrine has a bad name among many churches these days. Maybe bad name is is a bad word to describe it, but people don't put a lot of emphasis in Bible doctrine. But here, we uphold doctrine here at Cornerstone Baptist Church because it is the foundation of our lives in living in victory in Jesus Christ. When you know the truth and believe the truth, you may have full joy. It's your choice. The truth will set us free. But truth, that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that, that truth. Number four, we may not rejoice because of an ungrateful spirit. We may not rejoice because of an ungrateful spirit. Are you one of those people who are never content? Enough is never enough? Listen close. Some never learn to be satisfied. They always want more, more, and more. And they don't have joy. They can't enjoy the blessings they already have because they're craving something else. Listen, God knows what you need and what you have. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Joy comes from being grateful, grateful to God. And this is it. We may not rejoice because of unreal expectations. We look around at others and we want what they have. Maybe our expectations are somewhat worldly than godly. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes our our expectations are are more worldly than they are godly. And when you don't get what you want, you don't have joy. But the whole problem is, is they're not godly. Can I have an amen? Friends, do you want biblical constant joy? If you do, then you must come to the end of yourself. You must stop trying to control your own life and give the control over to God. 
Then you will live out the truth of Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, where he says, he, where he says Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? All right. Let's all stand and be in an attitude of prayer. And let's, let's ask God to do something this morning, to continue to do something this morning. Every head bowed, please. If you don't know or ever had this joy that we have spoken about, then you need to come this morning and ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Not with your mind or your brain, but let your confession be made with your heart. Christian, it's possible that you haven't had joy in a long time. True joy. A joy, a supreme blessedness. Because all you can see is the circumstances of life. And you're dependent upon those circumstances to make you feel happy. You forgot what true joy was and where it comes from, what it is and how you attain it and how you keep from losing it. Why don't you come renew some things with him this morning so, so that joy is yours again. Maybe you're here this morning needing a church home, maybe whatever reason, but I want you to know that um, um, God requires action. Just, just like joy is a choice, sometimes we've got to get out of our comfort zone. We've got to get out and we've got to seek Him. Maybe you need to come this morning and ask God to restore that joy. Just like Nehemiah, we've got to be reminded and make it ours. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That supreme blessedness is because of a relationship you have in Jesus Christ. You come as God leads.